2: Ahoy, friends. You are listening to the Friday Fallout up for Season 12, Episode 54, The Robert Pape Interviews. This week, we got to be a fly on the wall for Robert's 2007 police interview with Detective LeClaire. A lot of listeners, myself included, have really been looking forward to hearing this interview. But after listening in, I think it left a pit in all of our stomachs. This week's episode has raised a lot of questions as well as a lot of concerns. After a quick break, Bob, Janet, and I will get into all of them here on Truth
1: and Justice. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We had a lot of uh, a lot of audio for you to listen to this week. And from based on social media, it looks like most of you guys uh, grinded it out and listened to both episodes on Sunday and Monday. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one and part two yet, I would recommend hitting pause on this and going back and listening to them and then coming back. So you can hear the discussion or if you don't want to have the feeling where you want to rip your ears off from listening to detective Leclaire, uh, then just go ahead and listen to this discussion. Uh, your guys' thoughts. While well, I started with Zach last week, uh, Janet, your thoughts on the, the interviews.
0: Uh, real hard listens, very uncomfortable for a number of reasons. I, I know that the many, many listeners felt the same. All I could think was, Just imagining myself or someone I care about in that situation. And it was just very, very stressful. It was very stressful. Listen,
2: 100 percent.
0: There were times where I almost I was I was like, I got to take a break from this. And then I just and then I actually said to myself, you know, Robert didn't get a break. And then I just kept listening.
1: Sounds exactly like something you would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it was it was very hard. It was very hard. Zach, what did you think?
2: I 100 percent when I got done, stopped and hugged both of my children. And and I'm going to go after today. I'm going to go home and hug them again and and sit them down and talk about if you ever get questioned you ask for a lawyer and you stop fucking talking
1: yeah and that that is fantastic advice and we've been we've been telling you guys that for years you know even even my littlest Mm -hmm. uh well my kids i i've i've told them that and they say that they'll i you ask them right now they'll say
2: they say i want my parents and i want a lawyer yep but i'm gonna go through it again with them because after listening to both these interviews i'm disgusted it 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 was hard. It was an absolutely brutal two hours to listen through.
1: And, and Robert Robert held his own
2: real well he, in there. He truly did. He really, truly did. And there's a lot of times where he questioned back, which I, I'm sure there's questions, but like the point where LeClaire's like, why don't you take a polygraph? It's science. And he's like, well, it's not admissible in court. And he's like, well, if it's not admissible in court, then why am I doing it? Well, it's it's still science. It's factual. And he's like, well, but it's not. <laughs>
1: Well, is actual because that was one of my favorite parts of the interview. What he actually, Robert's words were, "Uh, well, it's they're not accurate." And then Leclerc says, "Like you said, he's he's like, oh, they're accurate. It's science. They're just not admissible in court." (laughs) And then Robert has the best comeback of the entire hours of interview when he says, "Well, if they're so reliable, then why aren't they admissible in court?" Mm -hmm. Which is a fantastic question.
0: I couldn't agree more, but I will say very quickly, I had moments where I was thinking about how mature and intelligent Robert and and just older he sounded. And and in my mind, I was thinking that might work against him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you find if you've set your mind on something and I was getting some West Memphis three vibes as well. Uh, which I'm sure many people were during this conversation where, you know, you start pointing to other things and saying, well, you must be this kind of person. And, you know, it's very easy to become guilty of that if you've we I feel like we've done it with people we've talked about on this show where we're like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with this other outside activity that has nothing to do with what we're talking mm-hmm. about. And you sort of can see how someone starts to try to fit a narrative um, with every tiny little piece that they can. Uh, but it, the, so there was definitely some some West Memphis stuff for me coming up when you know we we're talking about posters on the wall and stuff.
1: I, I did too, but the, the the thing that more so that reminded me of the West Memphis three case was, and it, there was a conversation I had with with somebody, uh, a great contributor. They they, they I believe they're in the Robert and Christian are guilty camp, but they're always very you know they have good discussions on our on our fan page. Um, but they had said how they thought Robert was really being a jerk in this in this interview because he wasn't trying to help and. And and I had said to this person on on Facebook, I said, I really think it's perspective. Like if you have in your mind that he does know something and, and he is involved, then it sure seem I can see how someone would say it seems like avoidance. But if you if you if you're looking at the evidence and you think he really doesn't have anything to do with this and then and then take it at face value, he's trying to help the whole time. But what reminded me about the West Memphis three case was the first time I met Jason Baldwin and I interviewed him and he talked about his at first interrogation. And I I remember so clearly him telling me, he's like, it was the craziest thing I've ever been through because they asked me what I was doing, what happened, this and that. And I told them the truth and they refused to accept my truth. They kept trying to get me to say what they wanted to hear and they refused to accept the actual truth over and over and over again. And so I had that in my mind as I'm listening to this and it's like, he just keeps like, I don't remember, I don't know. Where we turned around. I don't know the exact route we went. It was a year ago. I, you know, I, I I remember these things and then the rest of it, I don't know. It wasn't, you know, and there are people that that certainly have said it's like, well, he should remember because it was a significant day because his friend was murdered. That's true. The next day when he found out, certainly I would think he can probably remember, like, the day I found out my friend was murdered, like, where I was at when I, you know, these things. But the day before, which was when the murders happened, if he j- truly was innocent it had nothing to do with this, that night was not significant at all. Mm-hmm. It was just another eve. There was no reason to pay attention to anything. Times, right. what streets you're on, what turns you made, what phone calls you made, because that day he didn't know anything was wrong at that point. If you believe that they're that they're innocent,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, I know we have a lot of uh, feedback from listeners. This was one of the most robust uh, comment sections in the follow-up on Facebook. Lot of lot of feelings and thoughts and questions. Love to get into it if you want to get going on it.
1: Yeah, let's do that. Cool.
0: Uh, so first question, uh, I'm going to shout out Christopher, uh, who wants to know why exactly LeClaire did Mirandize Robert. He sort of gave a reason in the moment, but can you kind of clarify yeah. that?
1: It's because he was a suspect. He was so in that that's a trick that we've seen um, detectives. So I will credit LeClaire with that. At least he was up front about that. Oftentimes, Jennifer Jeffery is a good example. You know, they're interrogating for all those hours. She's in the station that whole time. They never Mirandize her because she was not a suspect and was free to leave at any time. And therefore, she wasn't in custody. She wasn't a suspect. So she didn't have to be. Mirandize, her parents didn't have to be notified once they and so what often happens is officers will they'll they'll say that oh we were just questioning them as a witness and then they confessed and we were like oh they confess so now we're going to mirandize them and, and everything uh, in this case right off right out of the gate Leclerc says you're not free to go you are a suspect and therefore you have to be mirandized
0: got it. So yeah, so there's so there's a difference between being told you're under arrest and being told your Miranda rights. In terms of like how he explains and and what that process is like.
1: Just to know, I'm obviously not an attorney, but my understanding is if you're interviewing a witness, you don't have to Mirandaize them. And also if you're being interviewed as a witness, you are free to leave at any time. If you are in custody and are a suspect, then you have to be Mirandaized.
0: Okay. So regarding the search warrant, uh, Lauren says, to clarify, the search warrants were executed the same day and were both Robert and Christian aware that they were both at the station together before they were placed in that same room later? Did they? Do we know if they knew that? Does that matter?
1: I don't know if they knew that. I have – and there's probably a question about this, but a lot of people are asking about Christian's interview. Christian's interview is about eight minutes, five minutes, hmm. and it's him saying, "I, I think – I can't find a transcript for this. I have the audio from it, but it is literally the worst audio in this entire file. Like I've tried every piece of software, everything I have, there's just, and I know people have said they can help clean it up, but like the data is missing. Like if you clean up the background noise, you hear, it sounds like what Christian says right away was, is because he had because his dad had already gotten him a lawyer uh, prior to this, after the interview, the interviews earlier in 2007. Um, Christian says, I think I need to have my lawyer here. And LeClaire's like, okay, well, what's his number? From what I hear, it sounds like he's saying, okay, well, do you have his number? And Christian's like, it's in my wallet or you can call my dad. And that's the end of it. Um, There's no more conversation with Christian.
0: Yeah, we have a lot of of questions about um, the – and I know that's happening in the chat as well. Chat, don't worry. We're also getting to that. You can imagine there were many, many questions about asking for an attorney, all the stuff around that. Um, I just wanted to clarify a couple more things on the warrant itself before we get into that. Sarah and a couple of different Sarahs say Robert miss, says he missed a job interview because of this interrogation and mentions they picked him up when he would have come in voluntarily. How did that come to be? Why was he required to go with them right then? Or was he or was he just made to feel like he had to? So a little bit more around the language of we need you to come in. You're not under arrest. But. How much choice is there happening there?
1: Um, I uh, I don't know precisely, but it was they had a search warrant for his house, his grandma's house and uh, for his DNA and fingerprints. So I, I believe that because they had a warrant for him to submit for DNA, that's why they were able to grab him, take him into custody. Um, and there's a, there's a little discussion going on in the chat where I had said that, you know, the night before wasn't a memorable night for Robert. And there are some some folks in here that are like, well, it would have been because that was the day he got suspended from work. Like, li- listen, first of all, you can't know what is memorable to someone and what is not memorable to someone. So stating that as fact is ridiculous. We're really stretching here. Like, he should have remembered every turn he took on his way to go to church that night because two hours earlier he was suspended from work. Like, we're stretching at this at this point.
2: And wasn't driving. And wasn't the one driving. If he's not driving, he's not paying attention. Right.
0: Oh, 100%. I would also say, you know, I've had bad things happen to people I care about. And I remember very clearly the moment I'm told. Mm -hmm. And that moment, quite frankly, erases almost everything else about that day. So that's my own private personal experience. But I'm sure there's someone listening who knows that when you get upsetting news about someone you care about, or frankly, sometimes even someone you don't care about, Mm -hmm. the last thing you're remembering is shit that has nothing to do with that. Right. You don't know that anyone's ever going to think what you were doing has anything to do with that. So you're not, you're not doing the thing that we heard about in Serial where someone goes, well, I knew I had to remember every step I took that day because I right. knew the police would come looking for me. That's not natural.
1: No, not at all.
0: Unless you're a person like us who are all like true crime nerds who now it's like in part of our DNA. Sure. But for most people, I don't think that's the case. And that certainly wasn't true of me when these tragedies happened in my life. So.
1: Right. And, and same. And and also we're sitting here as adults looking at this case with everything we know about this case, trying to imagine how upset a teenager would be that they got suspended from a job two days before they were done with the job anyway like how meaningful and impactful that would be to, to to make them remember all these details from the night before.
0: So moving on to a bunch of folks, uh, shout out to all of you. There's so many of you, I'm not even going to probably list you all, but um, people were very, very interested in what the info was that LeClaire took to the judge to get that warrant.
1: I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sure I, I, I'll i try and pull out the the probable cause affidavit that had to be filed uh Sent in to to get that. My assumption would be it had to do with Christian's DNA on the finger, on the business card. That's the only thing. The only thing that changed, you know, in two thousand seven, that would have helped build a case against them was that they got the DNA result that Christian's DNA. Now, at that point, the fingerprint was said to be absolutely not Christian's, but the DNA was his, and I think that was another, that's all they had. That's all the physical evidence that they had t- that tied to anyone. Was the DNA on the fingerprints. And since the, the warrant was for to search their homes and to get DNA swabs, that's my assumption.
0: Got it. And then uh, Devin and, and Sarah had a similar question. Says so To go along with that question, is the invi- is the individual not allowed to know what's in the warrant? Because Robert was asking and LeClaire wouldn't tell him. Aren't warrants supposed to be somewhat detailed or do they need to be strategically vaguely worded to search every nook and cranny?
1: I'm sure they can get it at some point, but I, but, you know, I think that's up to the officer doing the interrogation, what information they want to divulge. You know, they're, they're driving the train. You don't, you don't have like a right to know what was in the warrant during the interview and he wasn't under arrest. So he didn't even have to like, they didn't have to tell him why he was under, you know, the exact details about why he was arrested or anything uh, because he wasn't under arrest. He was just in custody to give the swab.
0: Okay. Jim says, "Are there any pics of the weapons that LeClaire was asking Roberts about, uh, Robert about?"
1: Yeah, they're up on the website. Um, I think you, someone if, was
0: having trouble finding them. It might have been Jim as well.
1: There, there's Except a folder in yeah, the subfolder in the yeah in the the case file folder. There's a there's a subfolder in there that says "Weapons Found in the Search." Okay. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal
0: post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Okay, well, let's dig into the I want an attorney or maybe I should talk to an attorney, all the language around that. Tons and tons of folks uh, wondering once he asks for an attorney, aren't questions supposed to cease? And with the anticipation of what you might reply to that, uh, a bunch of folks said, can you lay out precisely what words you have to say to get a lawyer or how not to say it? Because this is the, the a, this su- is this feels ambiguous.
1: Yeah, the, the, unfortunately, the Supreme Court has ruled in other cases that it has to be a clear uh, invocation of your right to right to an attorney. So, so with Robert saying, you know what, I think I need an attorney, and I I think we should be done. I think this interview should stop. I think I want an attorney. That now Robert never made an incriminating statement, so it didn't matter. But had he made an incriminating statement after that? there's a good chance that a judge would still allow it because you have to, so best, that your best bet is to say, I want an attorney. I am, I am invoking my Miranda right to have an attorney present for this interview and I will not answer any questions until that happens. Period. The problem is, particularly with innocent people in a lot of cases, is you you don't want to be confrontational with the cops, right? You're trying, you, you know, so it's almost like, and I'm not just talking about Robert, but in a lot of cases, whenever I you know, listen to interviews and stuff like this and watch them, you see that like, ah, like, like, you know, I know I need an attorney, but I don't want to, I don't have the personality to be confrontational and go, it's time to stop, especially with a young person. And so you hear this kind of, I think I need an, listen, I like, I really think we should probably, I, I, it seems like I should have an attorney now. So I think we should stop uh, and and a lot of detectives like LeClaire, or like they they know like that wasn't good enough and i can say oh yeah sure you can have that but here's another question and so you start answering questions again they're like i'm good to go they
2: did it with Sandra Melgar as well uh, exactly the same thing they did it with Sandra Melgar as yep, well
1: they do it they do it all the time and just to address something in the chat nicole is in the chat saying that robert didn't mention that he forgot the 40 minute round trip to sacred heart that's not true if you go go back and listen to and read his interview he wasn't asked specifics he didn't – during that interview, the officer investigating didn't say, where would you go? How far would you drive? Did you head toward – none of those questions were asked. That's what we've been talking about for, They weren't asking the right questions. Robert didn't know when the crime occurred. Robert didn't know that any of that information would be relevant. So he just is very vague, like we were going to go to church. We ended up not going to church. We end up going to Christian's house. Uh, it's, it's absolutely not fair to categorize that as – Oh, he forgot to mention a 40, 40 minute trip. He wasn't asked the question. It was a bad interview from an interview from, from in, in fairness to an investigator that didn't have enough information to ask the right questions.
0: Right. So we all have to remember that even if we don't want to come off like a suspect, that is seriously remains like the scariest moment I can possibly imagine is the moment where, you know, that the second you say you want an attorney, the police are going to be like, well, I think we found our person. <laughs> like, yeah, right? <laughs> it's yeah. just terrifying. You got to muster everything you've got and know that that's still probably going to happen, and you still have to get an attorney.
1: It cuts against. It seems. It, it seems like most people really aren't. You know, unless they're on a behind a keyboard, most people really aren't confrontational. They most people shy away from an awkward, uncomfortable situations, and I and I really this is just my personal belief is anecdotal, but I but I really believe that's why most people are like. They're not so bold with, I want an attorney. This is going to stop because uh, they're just not how we talk to people.
0: Especially not people in authority, unless, you know, unless we're intentionally defiant of that authority, which even then I think it's hard to do that in a room where you're like, my life could be on the line here, or, you know, my freedom could be on the line. I'm going to be kept here. It's just, it's just all very scary and hard.
1: Real quick, I'm going to make the last address of this and then I'm going to to drop it because Nicole is coming back at me about what I just said about Robert in his statement. Read the statement, everyone. Don't take my word for it. She says Robert gave his alibi. He didn't give an alibi because he wasn't asked for an alibi. He was asked what he did that night. There's a big difference with that. And to say that I need to stop ignoring facts, I'm not ignoring anything. Go back and read it for yourself. He was not asked details about his drive, period.
0: So Stacy, just sort of is circling back to this idea of not just LeClaire, but I would say many, many law enforcements. Um, she uses the term obsession with polygraphs, but uh, it does, you know, kind of cheekily. But um, we see it. We do see it come up a lot. There are a lot of cases where it feels like we talked about it on this podcast before, where the, the polygraph becomes the thing that matters most or if you don't have much else to go on. Whether someone will take a polygraph or not becomes extre- you know, extremely important. What, do you have any additional thoughts on that, Bob? Or
1: I just to- think they should just be banned. Like, like some – it'll never happen. But why do we have this manipulative investigative tool that police officers are allowed to use that has already been deemed so unreliable it can't be presented in court? Why is it still a tool in that, in that toolbox? Because it's, it's used for the sole purpose of manipulation. Because this is what happens. What you just heard LeClaire saying is take a polygraph and we'll clear you. And then he, and then what he says is true. No lawyer will ever tell you to take a polygraph because when you pass the polygraph, they won't clear you. They'll say they're not accurate. They're not admissible in court. And they keep – remember Jamie Snow? Right. You know, he went through. Take a polygraph, pass it, and you'll, and you'll be cleared. And you don't. And then once you take it, you don't know what the results are. Another very common practice – is for them to come back into the room and tell you you failed the polygraph when you passed it to try to manipulate you into to confessing. To, in my opinion, they shouldn't be allowed at all.
0: Yeah, Nancy says, how many lies about forensic data did Leclerc give? He at a minimum <laughs> insinuated that Robert's fingerprints were on the card and on the wheelbarrow.
1: They're asking for how many lies. Well,
0: about-? I mean, I think it's it's like it's a sort of a rhetorical question.
1: A ton of. I mean, he says that they can tell how long a fingerprint or DNA has been on something.
0: Yeah, there was definitely a lot of lot of questions about that. In fact, Veronica, Veronica said that she said, "What? Why? Are, is he is he really saying we can tell when you touched this, not that you touched it, but when you touched it?"
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen, most of what LeClaire was saying was nonsense. You know, and and it gets worse in the second half because it seemed to me it felt like he's getting desperate at this point. He was like. Hoping to get a confession out of him. Robert's not. He literally tells Robert over and over when Robert's like, I told you what I remembered. And he, and he says, I'm paraphrasing, you need to forget what you remember and start telling the truth. Y- y- that, you know.
0: that was one of the most labyrinthian like. It's like uh, what? It was like, oh, no, I've gone insane.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I so, as a listener have now so gone insane. So stop telling me what you actually remember and instead tell me what I want to hear. Yeah. And it just goes like round and round and round. and then And then like. He has the like. What? What is one of his big gotchas? Like, uh, did, you know, did did Christian's dad's house have a home phone? Yeah, it did. Well, he told me it didn't, and then he like brings it up like ten minutes later. He's like, well, you know, he basically told him he lied to him because yeah, just like you said, Christian's dad didn't have a home phone, and we know he did. It's like what? Like what? Like it just it it was frustrating to say the least for me to listen to.
0: Yeah. Caroline says, Uh, what do you make of the cut in that interview that you that you mentioned up at the top? Do you feel like there's any significance there? Do you feel like do you have any theories on that? was it just as innocent as like they ran out of tape or something and
1: the piece that's missing Mhm I don't know, so it's a they're digital it's a digital video recording." So I don't know why they're in, in but they're in. There's actually three parts, and they're in two hour. Well, the last one's only a couple minutes, but that's like two hour block. So it seems to me something like if you ever use like a GoPro or something, they save the file at certain points in case you lose it, so you don't lose everything together. So that's what it seemed like was there was like one video that it got cut at exactly two hours and at exactly four hours, and then the and the rest of it. I don't know why when you piece it. I thought it was something with my software because when I piece it together, it like jumped from. From one conversation to another one, but then the transcript's the same. The audio is unlistenable; you can't hear it. I have no idea. And maybe, based on the train of logic we heard throughout the rest of the interview, maybe Leclerc just changed directions in mid-sentence. It's not out of the question. Mm. You know, I'm not suggesting anything like nefarious happened or anything, but but it's it's odd that all of a sudden it's like, that one spot we get a cut and then there's something missing, but I don't I, I don't know. It could have just been he...
0: Yeah, I don't think there's anything to it, mostly because I just feel like there's, the whole run of the interview feels like, consistent enough to me that I just don't see, like, whatever you think about Leclerc, I feel like everything is sort of on the table. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't see a thing that would motivate him to be like, hold on. I'm no, I No, I I, I genuinely
1: reason. don't think like there was like an intentional something pulled out of there. More so the reason I mentioned it was so that people didn't think that I cut you something cut out. You cut something of there. out. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Totally got that. Yeah. I think we all got that. Just real quick, Dan, I want to shout you out in some of the, the chat that's happening live, just kind of remarking, we talked about this before, but just remarking on what a slippery slope it is when cops can lie to people. Um, I understand. I think one one time in a discussion, Bob, uh, months ago, you were like, look, if something were if my kid were missing and we felt like we were very sure who did it and they knew something about it. Damn right. I want the cops to be able to lie to the person to get that information. Mm -hmm. But then you see it on the flip side and see how it can affect people and false confessions and stuff like that. And it's just it just feels like it's a slippery slope.
1: Yeah. And, And when I discussed that, like I was just being very transparent about like on paper i i 100 agree that they should not be able to lie it should not happen and when we had that discussion i was like just trying to think like well what if you know what if my kid was missing and they're trying you know you, that part of me is like do whatever you got to do to get it out of them but then like the the fair uh part of me is like yeah but that doesn't i you don't want to get the wrong person you can't do it but yeah, ultimately, no. I, it it sucks that they're able to lie because they do it all the time, and um, with you end up with terrible results.
0: Yeah, uh, Denise is just interested in a sort of general um, LeClaire's record, like the closing cases that resulted in guilty verdicts. Is this symptomatic? You know, if this is this, I don't know, representative of something. Um, Rebecca wanted to know more about the petty theft, uh, community service situation.
1: Yeah, I think it was. I don't know a lot about it, but it it seemed it was a shoplifting thing. I think he was. I don't know the details, but I think he was working at Circuit City and he got hit for shoplifting at Circuit City.
0: Okay, so I'm going to read all of Tony's because he sort of is first is putting it into a context, but then still asking questions. I want to respect that. Tony says that was painful to listen to and so aggravating on so many levels. I thought he sounded innocent and the detective sounded like an idiot. Um, But did Robert change his story from ghosting Becky to saying he did cancel? I couldn't tell whether Robert said he canceled or the detective just sort of said it over and over again until Robert agreed.
1: He says in this interview that he that he had talked to Becky and canceled, but he's but he's very unsure about it because it comes up, obviously, repeatedly. And, you know, because because LeClaire obviously has his phone records and knows there was only the one actual contact with Becky. And so he's like, so did you talk to her? Did you cancel that day? And then it. As he's prodding with that, Robert's like, I don't, he hadn't mentioned the phone records yet, but he's like, I, I'm no, I'm pretty sure in his memory, which you're going to say he's lying about that or it's just in in his memory. That's depending on how you look at it, but from what he was saying at face value was in his memory, he remembered canceling the, the trip to her house where in his, in his first interview, I don't think that he said that, that he had canceled it. And we know from the phone records, well, and he could have. There was just the one – the only time they talked was why he was still at home. The rest of the time, she was calling him, and he wasn't answering the phone, and she was calling Christian, and he wasn't answering the phone.
0: Right. Um. Joey says, I know you're not a psychologist, but does it give you pause, and should it give us pause, that one could say that Robert was hedging when he stumbled around, saying that Becky and her parents were, quote, murdered, unquote.
1: No, I don't think there's – I I don't think you can put anything in there. There's a lot of reasons anybody and I'm not because there's there were people in a, a a thread about that that he that he was saying, you know, when they you know, when whatever happened to them or they passed or whatever, you know, some people were like it. They thought for XYZ reason it made him look innocent and for XYZ reason it made him look guilty. There's too many I mean, if he doesn't know exactly what happened at that point, how much of it had been publicized If he's sitting there and they just told him you're a suspect in the murder, do you not want to say, you know, I don't think you can, you can really, I don't think you can make any conclusions based on him not saying the word murdered. Because you hear that with some people that are just that way, you know, they they won't say somebody died. They'll be like, you know, when your, when your mom, you know, passed or she, you know, people use use different words. I don't think you can put anything on that.
0: Yeah. I think it would, for for me, my first thought was like, that's a really hard thing to have to hear yourself say because it's a really ugly truth. Yeah. Whether you had anything to do with it or not, so the cell phones, and obviously this is kind of still happening in the live chat as well. A lot of lot of cell phone discussions still happening, and I'm not even totally sure what the significance is of this, of the lapsed call. Um, I I look forward to a conversation you have with uh, with Nicole or someone else about uh, why that call, why that drive to the church means something that I don't understand it to mean.
1: From what I'm seeing in the chat, it's it's it's, she's still going on and on there with people, but it is essentially in his first interview when Michaels didn't ask him his route. He said, we were going to go to church. We didn't go. So we went to Christians. That's all he said. They didn't ask him details. He never get it. And then she was saying that he made the call to Sacred Heart from his house when he didn't. We know exactly where he was or very close to where he was because the tower. And then she said he hit the tower by his house when he made the call. But that call ended on Tower 705, which is down. And after that, I don't know. It's because you're saying that he was clearly going towards a highway we've routed with the pings exactly where he could have been going so
0: okay so th- so this is still around the argument that that you have to not believe the ping data as you've presented it for this to matter at all cuz i don't understand what that what the implication is
1: okay. i don't either and and we'll stop um, talking well, because we'll nicole that. is the one who is supposed to come on and, and present the site. So we'll be able to have an actual discussion about it. To
0: have a more guided discussion where you both get to to yeah. really just talk and not have it be kind of jumbled in the middle of all of this other stuff. Because yeah. I do want to honor the questions that exist, that people took the time to write on the Facebook. Yep. Uh, so here's Carl. Well, uh, Robert did say that they didn't get past an exit on the 111, which would mean they turned around. How, how do we reconcile that with the sector data? Um, are we... And Sarah, I think, had a similar question... Are we just assuming his he's mistaken? So this is still all around kind of Leclaire trying to prompt certain things without revealing too much information to Robert. To me, that just feels like a real cluster f uh, during yeah. the interview of many cluster Fs. Um, but people are wondering, like, hey, is should is this significant? This idea that Robert is trying to follow what Leclaire is not quite getting at and come up with answers and should and, and is there something inconsistent about that with with the facts
1: no, not at all, because remember first of all, Robert is saying like i don't remember i wasn't driving, I wasn't paying attention to where we were at i don't remember like I couldn't tell you where we turned around, and then that's when Leclaire is saying, Leclaire is telling him sort of that the cell phone evidence says that he's gone down seventy four like towards towards becky's house and robert's and robert's explanation of where they went he's like well what you're telling me doesn't jive with the cell phone evidence we know now that it does jive with the cell phone evidence but what he was saying was it doesn't it doesn't jive with the cell phone evidence and he's like well I, so robert is trying to in saying i don't remember where we went and he's saying well what if you know you're hitting saying you're going down 74 and that's robert's like i we could have we could have i don't know like if we like Maybe that's where we turned around. And he starts saying, like, if we couldn't – maybe if we couldn't get in the left lane, maybe we turned around there. Like, could that – and he's like, no, that's what I'm saying. That's not what you're – so, so, like, basically, Robert says, this is, this is what happened. This is where we went. I don't know the exact details. LeClaire is saying that's not true because the cell phone evidence is saying you went somewhere else. And Robert's saying, I don't know why that would be because that's not where we went. It, I don't know if we if we had turned around there, would it cause that? Because that's what that whole conversation is.
0: Got it. Jennifer says if Robert hadn't told Becky uh, that he wasn't coming, could she have been calling? We've talked about this, I think, earlier in the season. Could she have been calling frantically to warn him to tell him not to come? Do her calls fit at a time frame when the killers could have been in the house? We don't know how soon after killing Vicki and John, the house was set on fire. I think we mentioned this and sort of talked about why wouldn't there be a 911 call if I'm not mistaken, but I could be remembering.
1: If wrong. Becky was there. Yeah, Um, I don't. It's is it possible the killer was already there? The killers were already there at seven o'clock. It's possible, but we have no evidence. you know, all we can work from is we know when the latest time or the earliest time Becky's body could have been set on fire. We know the house was on fire before Becky was set on fire, uh, and that's that's really all we know. I doubt that that's the case because you see, like calls to Javier after, like so, if she was still actively using the phone, you would see a call to 911, like you said. And the theory we presented that maybe she was there when the killers came and she was upstairs uh, and didn't call, uh, the, you know, it could be if if a phone line was cut or if the fire was started or if she had tried to get out, was like in a bathroom or something, wherever she was hiding, that she couldn't get to the phone at that point. But she's actively using the phone. I would expect a call to 911 if that was the case.
0: Right. Uh, Sarah Jean says, was Sacred Heart called to follow up on the call from Robert to follow up to see if that Call took place and that question was asked.
1: Yeah, he called at uh, seven oh one. He called Sacred Heart.
0: Right, but I think Sarah's saying, like, did anyone call Sacred Heart to say, "Hey, did you have a conversation with someone where they asked if the mass had already happened oh, or if that. they could come to oh, the mass?" Oh, I'm sorry,
1: that's why I was asking. Right, I didn't understand yeah. the question. I think uh, so. I think no, I don't. Wrong, I don't Sarah, know. If, I've never seen anything if that was. I mean, like, I, a, I don't, I don't
0: know. know why. How how would that be possible when they didn't follow up in enough time on the chapstick? Like, what are you going to do a year later when you decided? Or even three months later or four months later, you're going to be like, do you remember when you got a call from someone asking if
1: literally were, a 30 you know second I mean? call? Yeah, yeah that, I don't think that ever. happened. That feels
0: like another thing that would have had to been follow up like right away. Mm-hmm. And they weren't doing anything like that at the time. Uh, Tracy says, was LeClaire the one who was interviewing Christian when he was there at the same time or was it someone else? Um, ask questions about the interview itself, which you sort of already answered. Uh, and then questions around the cookout that LeClaire mentions to Robert. Well, what about the cookout you guys were gonna go up to? Uh,
1: so it was LeClaire that interviewed Christian, but as I mentioned earlier, it was just it, there really wasn't an interview. He sets him in there, he gives him his swab, tries to ask him a few questions, and Christian just says he wants an attorney, and that's the end of that. So no, Christian didn't say anything about the cookout in there. I think LeClaire mentions in that in the interview with Robert where that came from. And I think it came from Christian's dad. If you go back to that interview we heard from from like January two thousand seven I think Christian's dad says that he thinks it was, um, uh, you know, that they were supposed to go up to a cookout or something like that. I think that's where that came from, was just, you know, Christian's dad's understanding of what it was, that it was like a cookout or something.
0: Okay. Yeah, Teresa, a shout out to you. I think you you mentioned that as well. Um, And any thoughts on why Christian's dad would even say that at all?
1: No, I think he just didn't really quite understand. Like, and you can hear for like to to me, and 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 some will say I'm biased, but when you really listen to this objectively, like you like, it seems pretty clear from this what I've been saying a long time that Robert never intended to go up there with Christian. I really think that the intention was for Robert to go alone, and then Christian wanting to hang out with him kind of spoiled that plan a little bit. I think, yeah. in my opinion, is kind of, and you hear that like you. You hear the the genuineness to me and Robert's voice when he starts asking about Christian go- and, and Robert is almost, you know, confused. He's like, no. like He says, well, what did Christian have to do with that hike? And he's like, nothing. He was never, yeah. like, what are you talking? He's, you know, what are you talking about? Christian yeah. was never going on any hike. I know I got off topic from what you, from what you asked. No, but- no,
0: that's, no, that's good though, because that were, there aren't a lot of questions about that section of the interview. And I do think that that does seem to me to be another situation where, In that flurry of events around Javi talking to Becky, Becky calling Robert, Becky wanting this to happen, and then the next day Javi talking to Robert, and then Javi telling the cops, it it doesn't surprise me that it's entirely possible that Becky never said Christian and Robert are coming up to go for a hike, but that she said Robert was coming for a hike, and then the next day when Javi hears that Christian and Robert were together... Like he puts that together, and again, I don't yeah. know because what happened. This could be wrong, and I could I'm, have, you know, she could have always said that Christian and Robert were going to come to tell to, to said that. I'm sure to that's Javi, what happened. It certainly makes it even, sense.
1: It even tracks with if you look at Javier's interviews from the scene that you know he's like, yeah, I get. I talked to Robert. I guess there was another guy coming later. He talks to Robert. Then the next time he then, then he knows he's asked, do you know, who the other guy was. He says no. Later on, after talking to Robert Moore, yeah, he was going up with Christian. So I think probably with Christian's dad was at some point, you know, he's like, "Why the hell are the police talking to you guys about this?" What is it? And he was like, "Oh, Robert was going to go up there, or we were going to go up to uh, a hike or a cookout." It could right. be he misunderstood Christian. It could have been that Christian misunderstood Robert. It could, you know, it's a game of telephone. By the time it gets to Robert to Christian's dad, who's then talking to. Uh, the police, where it becomes, I think they were going up to a cookout.
0: Well, and it also could have been like a totally different cookout that had absolutely nothing to do with any of this. And that just was Christian's yeah. dad. I doubt trying that. Trying to be helpful and put that together. I don't
1: know. I doubt that just because I don't think Christian's ever been there. And
0: No, no, I don't, I don't mean that it's Becky. I mean, like, literally oh, something yeah, yeah, yeah. entirely unrelated altogether. Gotcha. So let's talk about when the guys are in the room together. Um, Chris says, what did you make of Christian's statement to what did you tell them uh, of not a damn thing? And then a few beats later, he said, did your story change? This few minutes of Christian seems a little bit shady compared to what Robert said. And I will say that a couple of folks weighed in on that themselves about what they thought of that, but uh, wanted to get your take on it, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's, It's weird that he comes in and is like, you know, Robert's just like, Trying to talk about stuff and Christian's like, I think at one point he even says, No, not here, or something like that. Um, it made more sense to me when I heard Christian's uh interview that or the 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 tiny bit of interview that there was, uh, because it was very clear from Christian's side that he had talked to an attorney. He knew not to talk to the police, and because he was like right away, no, I want an attorney, that's it. So when you take that that knowledge and that attitude from that room and it's very clear I think Robert had talked to an attorney or his mother like but but he was clearly not advised don't don't give any statements you know where then Christian comes in and as soon as Robert's talking he's like no not here not, not doing it um it's just like anything else you're kind of reading tea leaves with it but it but it definitely made more sense to me when I heard Christian in the other interview where he didn't give an interview at all
0: every year one thing is always predictable postage costs go up marketing wizards found them
1: software engineers found
0: that project manager i could never seem to hire and found linkedin jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience in fact 86 percent of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com spoken that's linkedin.com spoken terms and conditions apply kristen says when robert and christian talked about the wheelbarrow they did sound surprised you mentioned that at the beginning of the episode um But I would think a year later, Christian says uh, that they would know Becky was found in that wheelbarrow and did that seem odd to
1: you that they were surprised? So they weren't surprised. Christian was surprised uh, the way I took it. So, well, Robert says in that he says to Christian that Javier in that bit of the interview, you know, after the police had left and they were sitting in there, he says, I guess Becky was found in a wheelbarrow. That's what Javier said. So but it also if you listen to the interview, Robert and Christian hadn't hung out or talked in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So they weren't. Right. You know. And I don't believe the wheelbarrow information by that point had been made public at all. It was just through kind of word of mouth and and rumor stuff. Because you definitely because so so Robert had heard from Javier for, as if and when I say all this, keep in mind, I'm saying on face value what Robert said. You can believe him or not believe him, but but from what Robert said, Javier had told him that Becky was found in a wheelbarrow, so he knew that. And then, of course, LeClaire's asking all these questions about a wheelbarrow, why he's in there. And so and, and that was the part that was when he was asking, you know, because you all heard that that exchange where he's like, you know, did you ever see him have a wheelbarrow? He's like, oh, I don't know. Did they have one? I don't know. Maybe, probably. Would you have ever touched it? No. And then he's like, well, I guess I mean, I don't I've been in their garage if it, if it was so it was in the garage. He's like, I don't know if it was in the garage. Maybe sometime I touched it somewhere. And so he's kind of seems like he's like bringing that up like that stuck in his mind. As he said to Christian, and he's like, they kept asking me about a fucking wheelbarrow. And then you hear Christian say, "Yeah, you know, a wheelbarrow, but, and he's, and then he explains about the, uh, that that's what Javier had told him. But as far as the, you know, the, the, them being surprised, Robert wasn't surprised. Christian seemed surprised about the wheelbarrow. And if it was some, you know, who knows if he even ever knew that detail, who knew, you know, because we don't, we don't hear a lot of people. We've never heard any witness interviewed by police who said robert told them something about this crime so we don't even know that he robert was even talking about any of these details w- with anyone
0: yeah you know about point. it that's that is kind of interesting to draw a circle around because we haven't really talked about that but the, the I, that was new information right that 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 robert and christian hadn't really been hanging out um i think a lot of folks just sort of imagine this ongoing friendship you know where they were very close and that they didn't have yeah. those normal uh ebbs and flows that you have with friendships, even more so I think when you're younger, but that's just my opinion. Um but yeah, imagine how uncomfortable that would be. Like, hey, mm-hmm. hey, person that, you know, means a lot to me, but like there's some tension here for for various reasons, like here we are at the police station. What's going on with you? <laughs> like
1: Yeah. And I think they I think rough. didn't he say that it was because um Christian didn't like yeah. Sarah yeah, I think it was or just, something yeah, like that. There's they, some they, tension,
0: yeah, just some tension tension seemed very normal to me. But okay, almost done. Was any, Kristen, Kristen also wants to know, was any of that interview, anything that we heard in these last couple of episodes uh, used at trial?
1: Uh, I don't think so, no.
0: And then we know for sure, uh, Kristen just wanted to verify for sure Robert and Christian never took a polygraph. That was another no. thing that LeClaire was like, if I had a nickel for every person who's already taken a polygraph in this case, I'd be a He didn't reveal rich the man. answer was
1: he would have one nickel <laughs> because Ron Friedley is the only yeah, person. But yeah, that was another one where He's like, dude, basically everybody's doing it. (laughs) It's like, nobody's doing it. No one took your stupid polygraph. Yeah.
0: That was a moment of lightness and a very uncomfortable listen for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Charisse says, not a question, but a statement. If owning guns is a right per the Second Amendment, how can it constantly be used against you? And he only owned two. This automatically makes him a killer? Stupid. And this coming from a gun reform person, speaking of herself, stupid. (laughs) I just enjoyed that post.
1: Yeah. And... It doesn't now. By the time trial came around, Robert is a collector. As we mentioned, his his house looks very much, I'm sure, like Zach's basement, yeah, um, which are you know full of a lot of guns. And of course, that, so it's, but it's one of those things that's used against in in court of public opinion, and it was used to try to paint a picture for the jury that they're a gun fanatic and they love they love guns and they love. But you know what i what I what I try to do with all of this stuff in any case is let's cut through the noise and look at facts you know the, the nicole that nicole was in the rear is like like don't ignore facts but well here's a fact where is the evidence that either robert or christian had any way or any access to a 40 caliber pistol where's the evidence so because, you know, people like in the uh, if you look on the website, the pictures of like the weapons in the house and and, and stuff like that, you'll see like you had like welded together like a saw blade and in a, and a handle. And there's like like samurai swords. There's all kinds of crazy stuff in there. And so they like point to all that stuff. But they weren't killed with a samurai sword or a hacksaw or or Wolverine knuckles, <laughs> which is one of the things that's, he had.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I saw. The,
1: Vicky was shot in the head with a forty caliber pistol. Someone who believes they're guilty put a forty caliber pistol in Robert's hand for me in two thousand six. Show me even a possibility of somehow, some way that he had some possibility of getting and 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 it doesn't work to say, well, we don't know he could've. He could have isn't proof. He could have isn't evidence. Show like like somebody, I think it was Nicole in the chat last week was like his dad had 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 these guns that he could have access to, none of those guns were forty caliber pistols. So all, as far as the weapons go, to get back to that question, that is, you've got, there's so much noise in this case, and that's like a big red flag that it's not a great case, that it's not a strong case, is when, when you have to make all this noise about nonsense to distract from the fact that there's no actual facts. You know, show me the evidence that a person left that scene in a car. Show me the evidence that someone could drive uh, a low-to-the-ground car like that from that house and get all the way to now the sector we know Robert's phone actually hit in 38 minutes, 30, 37 minutes. Show me the evidence that that's the case. Show me the evidence they actually you – know, forget the noise. Look at the actual facts. That's what, I, that's what I keep being told. Look at the facts. Well, that's what I'm asking you to do, audience. Look at the actual facts and the actual evidence. It doesn't matter. I mean, Robert could have had three pairs of nunchucks with razor blades on the end of them. It has nothing to do with this crime.
0: Quick question from the chat, because, Kate, I think I saw you post this earlier um, and or someone else did. But why Kate says, why is Leclerc concerned about grandma's house across the street? Did they search that, too? If so, what was found?
1: They searched both houses. I don't remember which one Robert was actually staying at the time. I believe he was still at his mom's house. He might've been over there, but yeah, but they searched both.
2: They did stay on that for longer than I thought they would have as well.
1: What the questions about his grandma's house. Yeah.
2: They just kind of kept on about that, which didn't really, I don't really understand why, but
1: Hmm. I don't either. I don't know why they didn't interview his cousin or his girlfriend or anybody. There were some people on, on Facebook, somebody, a former colleague of Leclerc's was reporting a bunch of posts where people were, were saying some not so nice things about Leclerc. Uh, on the Facebook page, um, you know, I'm sorry, can kill we're in this position because of Gary Leclerc, in my opinion, and and by this position, I mean, a place where we're, where we're having to have a debate at all about who killed Becky and John and Vicky, because he did a terrible piss poor incompetent job of investigating this case. Right from the beginning, day one, when Robert gave him, you know, where he was at that night. He didn't go to the gas station to verify he was there. He didn't talk to his cousin. He didn't talk to Christian's mom or dad or aunt or anybody that he said might have been there. All these things that could have been verified easily. He didn't talk to the people at Sacred Heart Church. He didn't do any of that stuff up front. And then later on comes in with this nonsense interview where he's clearly not the smartest one in the room which is pretty sad when he's talking to a 19-year-old kid. Yeah, I'm I'm obs- I'm pissed. Like like you have to do better at your job than that. And 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 part of what we do here, part of what I do here and you can like it, I don't care if you never ever download another episode, if you don't like this, but part of what we do here is call people out for their bullshit. Call people out and and make sure the world knows what they're doing so that it doesn't happen again. Gary LeClaire's investigation of this case was unacceptable. It was incompetent and, and and neglectful as far as I'm concerned.
0: It almost makes you wonder if that DNA evidence came in suggesting Christian and there was an oh shit moment of like, oh, uh-oh. Like if if this means anything at all, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing else. You know, you think that it's going to be this big moment where you're like, yes, we got some. But considering the circumstances leading up to that, you could see it also being like a heart sinking moment of like, oh, whoops. I guess it would be nice if I had looked at any of this before now. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly right. And like I said, and, and, and I will give credit where credit is due. Leclerc gave up. He literally gave up on the case. Like right after these interviews, he found the one piece of evidence, and even he was able to realize after interviewing them and searching their houses that this this doesn't fit. So Christian's DNA is on a business card that was way out in the in the wilderness, uh, in the in the desert out there somewhere, but that doesn't fit with anything else we have with these two with these two guys. We don't have the gun. We don't. You know, they seem to have an alibi. Everything they said where they were at. Checks out, as we know from from the phone records. All of that, that stuff fits. But we have this one weird thing about the DNA. I think the, in the interview, he was hoping to, to get a gotcha. And when he didn't, he just gave up. Now, but again, what he should have done is say, I must be barking up the wrong tree. Let me investigate these other angles. And instead, he suspended the investigation, shelved it.
0: And then also, uh, Kate had said, just verifying, Robert did not end up joining the military. That was just Christian, right?
1: Right. Like at any point. Um, yeah. And and Chris in the chat just said, when will a sector data expert come on? Uh, Bob was always telling us not to take his We did. We We yeah. had I had Mike Dowd, the sector the cell phone expert, came on and explained the sector data. I don't remember what episode number it was, but he uh, must have missed it.
0: I think that is it. Just a couple of like remaining questions about other stuff. Like Megan wants to know if you would ever post the transcript of John's son, I know you had very good reason to not want to play the interview, but there's curiosity around whether the transcript could be published.
1: Yes. As a matter of fact, so as we are, as I mentioned, we're, we're getting up to the butting, buttoning up loose ends. Um, you know, as, as promised, somebody mentioned the trial transcripts earlier. You know, we put the trial transcripts out as we cover things. So i am been going through the list of, of things that we haven't covered yet. Um. So before I get into the closing arguments, we're going to check those off the list. So in this week's episode, uh, I'm going to break down um, Robbie's interview. It's pretty it's real short. I'm not going to play it, as I said, but I'll post the transcript and and uh, ex- explain that. And then also Sarah Honaker, who is um, was Robert's girlfriend at the time. He eventually ended up marrying and they were married for they lived together for like eight years. Um, she, of course, wasn't interviewed until 2016. Um well, I'll talk a little bit about that interview and then her her trial testimony. Um, and I'm kind of going through to see is there any other loose ends that that we haven't covered that have been covered in trial yet. So we get the so by that point the full trial transcripts will be out on the website before we get into the closing arguments. Okay. All right. Uh, I think we've covered plenty. I've rambled on enough. Zach, you got anything else? I'm good to go. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody in the YouTube chat. Sorry, I'm a little scatterbrained. There was there was a lot of discussion going on in the YouTube chat, and that always. Uh, distracts me. So hopefully, I'll, Kelly will have cleaned that up and you won't even know <laughs> that any of that happened. But thank you guys for listening. And also, thank you to all our new, uh I forgot, our new patrons. We had almost 400 new people uh, join Patreon. Really, really uh, love and appreciate you all. And with that, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. Thanks, everyone. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondering. Edited by Kelly Barons Brink, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInAsong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by me, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website. TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby. Kathy McElaney, Kay wood Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. Financially support the show. The best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com/truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com/truthand justice you can also do us a huge favor by going to itunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review and lastly you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program if you have a new case you'd like us to consider for future seasons you can submit your cases on our website truthandjusticepod.com just click on the case submission button and fill out the form and the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations you can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com you can like our Facebook page, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24 7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269 224 2833. However, you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver.
0: And I'm Janet Varney.
1: And this has been Truth and Justice
2: thanks for stopping the dial ahoy friends thanks for stopping the dial on the live stream that's right i'm bob ruff everybody and
1: miss janet varney
0: (laughs) It's impossible for us to hear that song you're playing, because you've got some sort of filter on, Bob.
1: Truth and justice is about to begin. Smash the like button, everybody. The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains and every passion. It's a workmate, a
0: playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You
1: go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro
0: pallet. Go break it in. Search all new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro. Driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost.